This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to PC Perspective. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 475, being recorded November 8th, 2017. I'm Alan Malventano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Roger Kadori. No, you're not. <laughs> okay, I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm yeah. Ken Addison. Yeah. We don't have Roger on the podcast quite yet. Even though, who knows? He might just end he, up showing up at the door yeah, right there. At the, you never know. We don't know what's if going on. If we start looking in that direction... During the podcast. If we look in that direction and one of us busts out like some bourbon and some cigars and stuff like that, I guess. Isn't that what usually happens? Just show up the door with his Super Saiyan hair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good times. Uh, Yeah. So uh, we're doing a podcast like we do every week. Ryan is on travel to various things, shenanigans, whatever. He's on a super secret mission. Super secret missions. (laughs) Multiple super secret missions from what I understand. Um. Podcast at PCPro.com. If we do we even check that email, no, oh, no one checks it. You so, should still uh, send an email there, but we're not going to check it. Well, that's that's nice. That's good. Okay. Um, PCPro.com slash podcast or PCPro.com slash or Twitter.com slash Ryan's route. Twitter.com slash PCPro. All those links and places to follow and whatnot. And um, yeah. So let's jump into the stuff. We have a piece per mailing list. If you're on it, you would not have gotten an email this week. Apologies <laughs> for that. Ken dropped the ball. Uh, we will. Uh, those responsible have been sacked. And we will. Oh, uh, thank God, finally. <laughs> I've been trying to quit this place for years. Uh, Patreon.com slash PCPer is where you can. Help us, uh, I don't know, keep the lights on, stuff, things like that. You know, we're doing the mailbag. Uh, Jim, are we up, coming up on the storage mailbag? Well, if Ryan's not back, uh, when does he come back? Uh, Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. Oh, so then, yeah, you're up this week. Well, when is, I, when stay we... tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We've been doing it for four months. We've got a very special episode starring Alan. Did you save up four time. months for the storage questions? Uh, yeah, pretty much anything that was specifically up your alley, I've been setting aside. Great. So it's going to be three months worth of old, outdated storage questions. No, and storage some, hasn't changed that much. Yeah, recent ones. We'll, 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 get, we'll get something sorted out. And if we, if we run short, we'll just have you dance for the camera for oh. 10 minutes. Yeah. Or I'll bust out the racing wheel and, you know, record, record another one of those uh, videos. All right, uh, is that what's next? Yeah, PC Per Plays. Or no, that was a mailbag, too. Oh, that's not, uh, that's not queued up. Well, it looks like a mailbag video. There was a, there was a PC Per Mailbag. Which Ryan talks into his webcam. <laughs> yes, Ryan did talk into the webcam uh, and, and give funny he looks. He was very, very pleased with <laughs> just talking to the webcam <laughs> give, this week, give I funny think. funny looks to the webcam. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, he did, uh, you know, answered a bunch of questions there. Uh, we also did a PC Per Plays, where Ken... Uh, Vaulted pl- off some buildings Ken successfully Edge. and both not uh, successfully. Yeah, Ken played Mirror's Edge uh, quasi-badly. But, you know, it was still 
fun to watch. Made it like almost halfway through the game. And, yeah, as it turns know? out, we were like past the halfway point. I yeah, think. which I thought was funny. We were looking at the speedrunner, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> times beforehand, and uh, it's it was, like, wait a minute, we were at that mission. <laughs> yeah, it was like you know twenty minutes to to beat the game. No, I don't want to restart now. Windows snooze. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, get into the week in review. First up. Uh, that one. Intel announces new CPUs integrating AMD Radeon graphics. Holy crap. Why would they do such a thing? I mean... Because their graphics suck. Well, yeah. They need that. better graphics. There's that. You know who has good graphics? AMD. Well, these are supposed to still AMD's also good. have the Intel graphics. Mm-hmm. But they're just tacking on. But it's on. not... Yeah. They're, just they're just for low-power reasons. No, they are functional. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're supposed to oh, work. Okay. Yeah, it's supposed to be able to switch back and forth just as if it was like a, you know, discrete added on GPU. Yeah. And a, so, so you'll still have quick sync and stuff like that. And for 2D tasks, as as far as I know, it'll use the HD graphics still. Yep. But they basically are making a pretty huge uh, interposer style, you know, uh, interconnect backlane board thing. Yeah. Like just put it all in a okay, module. So, so basically. It's, it's essentially a substrate, a regular substrate. Except that Intel has this technology called EMIB and embedded multi-die interconnect bridge. So basically, they embed and what is essentially a sliver of an interposer in the PCB and lay the chips on top of that. So you've got both uh, regular bumps from the PCB and then bumps from this semi-interposer thing, the silicon bridge. And so the, the advantage of this is it's less expensive to make. It doesn't affect the Z height of that, and uh, the bridges are are less complex in that you don't have all of these through vias that the uh, the interposer typically does. So it's a smaller piece of silicon. You only kind of etch stuff on the top rather than do through uh, a bunch of vias, and it all just kind of works, and it, it's less expensive to put together. So that's what EMIB is. So now, I've seen some back and forth on this. As far as we know, EMIB is probably only being used to connect the HBM2 to the GPU, not the GPU to the CPU, correct? That's that's the assumption. We don't know if that is correct or not. Um, Since, I mean, Intel with mobile processors has been doing the CPU and a PCI Express-ish link to the chipset for a while now, so mm-hmm. that should be... A technology they understand yeah and, and, and i mean that's it's that's something that the uh the regular pcb can handle perfectly fine i mean since pci express runs to your motherboard which is a giant pcb it's not going to be a problem for that substrate to be able to handle that especially when uh, the chips are as close as they are and they just put some caps and resistors in there and whatnot and and uh, have it all connect nicely so yeah i bet it's either a by four or by eight PCI 3.0 connection to that GPU. Again, this is a mobile part, 15 to 35 watt TDP so far. We don't know if they're going to go higher or lower, but so, you know, bandwidth is, you know, it's big, but it's not huge. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to find out more details about this, but there was a lot of Speculation. I mean, Kyle Bennett about a year and a half ago said, hey, Intel and AMD are working on a joint graphics thing. 
and everybody flew up in arms and it could never happen and it's just not going to work and you're just full of it and turned out he's right and uh <laughs> dang it so, all those know, other things are still him. true but he was also still correct <laughs> yeah yeah but uh the things that we're confused about is was AMD just licensing this to Intel? Was Intel going through semi-custom like Microsoft and Sony did, where you know they they uh, contracted semi-custom, they licensed it, and then they produced the chips themselves to integrate into their uh, consoles? Because AMD does not sell individual chips to the console makers. I mean, they 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 get the designs. They go to either Global Foundries or TSMC. In this case, both of them go to TSMC. They produce them themselves. They have their own wafer agreements. And uh, that's how that works. Well, this case is a little different. Uh, Intel contracted through the semi-custom group, but AMD actually produces the chips and then sells them to Intel. Now, these are specialized in what we assume to be Polaris chips uh, because, you know, Polaris doesn't uh, integrate the Infinity Fabric that Vega does. Intel obviously does not need nor want Infinity Fabric. And, of course, uh, AMD is, is not going to license that technology to them. So the good assumption here is that it's 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 the Polaris GPU. Um, it's not a top-end part, but it does integrate HBM to to memory so they've got lower power memory they've got a much smaller pcb that they have to work with and all of this fits in one kind of nice package now guys like apple and uh, all of these uh, guys who are wanting to make gaming machines that are smaller form factors are just salivating after this because it's nicely integrated it's compact you could do all kinds of things with that form factor and uh, performance-wise, it looks pretty good. So the leak is in between a 1050 Ti, a standalone GTX 1050 Ti mobile, and a GTX 1060 mobile. So that's that's some horsepower. That's hit the pretty yeah. good sweet spot for what uh, AMD and Intel have have worked together to do. They've been apparently working with each other for quite a long time to get this. So we can imagine that this particular partnership will go on for some years will it last forever i doubt it yeah so not especially with news that's coming later on not only is it giving you that well leaked (laughs) performance but supposedly you know seems reasonable seems like a reasonable leak like it could definitely be there but you're getting that performance and uh you know that small of a package right like nothing there's no nvidia thing that can compete so you're saying with it's not the of, size of the boat it's the motion of the ocean yeah right? basically but there, there's nothing <laughs> exactly. nvidia has that can compete on uh, for that amount of pcb space basically uh for for you know a mobile style uh module that you would you know that you would just integrate into whatever into whatever yeah. thing you want yeah and so because of the TDP and and the capabilities you can you can put into all kinds of form factors whether or not it's going to be able to fit into a nook I, I we're not sure yet probably not <laughs> but maybe yeah I, I mean, mean that, that could fit in a nook well, well a nook is traditionally more heat, about, but maybe 
And that's yeah. traditionally so, the 15 watt CPUs, and this is more in the 35 watt range. But yeah. they have done higher power NUCs. So. Yeah, a NUC can dissipate uh, like 30, Skull 40 watts. Trail yeah. One. Yeah. 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 Skull Canyon, too. Skull Canyon. So, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, only Skull that, Canyon. I mean, the heatsink is that much of an easier proposition. Assuming Intel can make these with all the chips at the same level, <laughs> uh, you know, other than the weird issues that we're running into with uh, the Vega parts. Yeah, I just throw it in the bridge port. <laughs> yeah um so yeah cool stuff now did lisa was it lisa sue who put a twitter basically saying that amd and intel are not competing in this space you know the the raven ridge is a a different market segment than this new hybrid they're coming out with i Correct. mean yeah because the raven ridge is is going to be a 15 to 35 watt tdp and it's kind of just an all-in-one smaller package, and your performance is not going to reach what this one does because Raven Ridge relies on the DDR4 memory um, that the laptop, tablet, or whatever you know form factor they decide to do uh, handles. While this has HBM2, uh, there's going to be a significant price difference in between the top-end Raven Ridge part and even just the low-end version of this one. I mean that's. A much larger package. It's a lot more silicon. HBM2 is not inexpensive yet. They would like it to be, but it's not. So it's it's going to be, I mean, they're not competing there in terms of money, in terms of TDP, and in terms of performance. And so that's a win for Intel and AMD. Now, AMD is competing with the, uh, what is it, the 8700U or... 7700U, I can't remember what the exact mobile SKUs are, but that's kind of what they're looking at. The integrated Intel graphics with the um, Cabby Lake. And uh, yeah, I don't think the, they don't have a Coffee Lake yet, do they? No. No, the no, 8000 no. for, for the 15 watt notebooks is Cabby Lake Refresh, the quad core stuff. Aha. Gotcha. Yeah. There's two damn many code names and products out there. You're telling me they're getting far too close brain. together. Can't keep it together. Uh, Technoscope in the chat brings up a good point. Like, you're one step away from just throwing the storage on there. You know. Yeah. And basically just having, throw some RAM on there. Regular RAM, storage. Although although in the chat, they were talking about, like, what if you just threw a cross point on there? And I don't think we're, we're not to the point yet where you can just throw a cross point and attach it to a CPU without um, a controller in the middle. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, you know, that would be the next logical step, right? Just have uh, have some RAM. Have then some, uh, at some point, your CPU substrate just is as big as your motherboard. Well, <laughs> the CPU becomes you know, the motherboard. If you're using that backplane. It's a system on a chip. Yeah, if you're using the, yeah. well, it's a, it's a big chip. It's a system on a PCB. <laughs> so, in other words, it's a computer. <laughs> like a regular. No, but, you know, be much smaller, um, especially if you were stacking, like, they already stack Flash in HBM style. Yeah. Not mass produced yet, like with TSVs going through it, but like they're talking about getting getting there so they can go 16 high and 32 high, right? Um, they just need to do the completely through PCB as like the new iPhone. They go just stack 3D. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that. And eventually it gets to the point where, you know, if one little part of your computer goes bad, you're just throwing away the whole dang computer because it's all... Someone argue uh, we're yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would argue we're already there <laughs> at least with some computers yeah all right uh next up 
Raja Kadori leaves AMD and joins Intel to build discrete graphics. Holy crap. Well, it's going to be more than just discrete <laughs> graphics. Well, um, you know, I, I had something that I think I just said uh, Raja Kadori leaves AMD and joins Intel. But but Ryan had to put himself, his, his two cents in. <laughs> And he and he expanded upon that to build discrete graphics. Now, while that's true, and Intel admitted it as such, he's going to be doing a lot more there. And we kind of have to look at Intel before this, where they were heading, and where the the industry, in fact, is going. And and there are some pretty significant gaps. Um. They needed to do something serious. Their their visual compute group is trouble. I mean, it has been trouble. They and being it's which because company? it's been... Which company are you talking What's about? What's that? Which company are you talking Intel. about? Okay. BCG is... Or... Uh, uh, yeah, visual computing group. That's, that's Intel. Now, they've changed that to core and visual computing group. And now Raja is the head of that. But before that... It kind of was the red-headed stepchild of Intel. Um, they did some interesting things. They kind of were hidden above their weight bracket. But they just never could get past some of the issues that Intel has when it comes to graphics. Now, many, many years ago, Intel needed to get into the graphics market. So they acquired the graphics division of Lockheed that was making the Starfighter 3D graphics chip. Um, Intel got a hold of that. They totally redid it, not so much the graphics portion, but this was going to be their premier 2D, 3D card that would introduce AGP to the world. So it was an AGP 2X part with full fast writes and sideband memory, um, it's in the, what the sideband addressing, and it was it was the lead product. It had all of the features that AGP was was you know supposed to be the second coming of of, of PCI, and was going to be great. And they didn't have to have as big of a frame buffer because this sideband addressing and these fast writes and all that would all of that stuff would be in main memory. But AGP was so fast and low latency that you didn't need the frame buffer. Well, the i740 was what finally that was the Starfighter 3D. In terms of 2D and 3D, it was pretty decent, but it was about a year later than it needed to be. The competition had caught up to it and gone past it by the time it had been released. Certainly, you know, a lot of the competition had like AGP-1X parts or AGP-2X without fast rides or sideband. Um, you know, the compatibility of, of in-between chipsets and graphics card was really, really terrible. And so uh, Intel, they then took this technology and then they kind of shrunk it down and put it in chipsets. And then they just kind of put these guys in the corner and said, every once in a while, we're going to need some graphics technology. You've got to enhance the features so that we're, you know, DirectX compatible. But we're not going to put a lot of money your way. We're not going to put a lot of manpower. You just kind of have what you got and just keep giving us the juice. And that kind of makes sense because Intel is an x86 company. Their bread and butter is x86 performance. 
the amount of research and development they do on x86 is tremendous. I think it's been described to me that whenever a competition comes with something, Intel has the resources, and they actually have a lot of research already done that they just kind of sprinkle this research into their next generation processor, whether it's you know a year away or two years away, whatever, and and they get one of those big jumps that we've been hoping and expecting for, just because they've done a tremendous amount of research. But GPU has not been that. Uh, we now see, you know, Nvidia really pushing AI. We see them pushing automated driving. We we see them do machine learning. All of this stuff with their graphics. They're investing a tremendous amount of software and hardware support into these new things, and not just gaming, not just you know, pixels being painted on PC monitors. And I think Intel is kind of seeing the sign of the times. And for a while there. Intel was really kind of even no more pushing their their uh, visual compute guys away, and that obviously is not paying dividends for them, and it's a bad idea. And so we see them kind of change around. Uh, they they made this uh, this agreement with uh, AMD to have a better part uh, for for their kind of the gaming stuff. Somebody trying to say something, or is it just a strange echo in my ear? Nothing here. Just in your head, I think. Well, that's a lot of stuff in my head. <sighs> but anyway, so they're, they, they've got this new thing with AMD. Uh, they know the graphics are not where they should be. I mean, I've heard some other stories uh, in and around that that, you know, the CP guys have, have really just kind of kept them again in the corner because in terms of graphics, Intel just hasn't been there. And we've seen AMD try to put out, you know, heterogeneous computing. We've seen NVIDIA do a lot of the C++ AMP and a lot of the other kind of stuff to, to get more workloads being done on their graphics. And they've done very well there. Uh, HPC stuff, there's some specialized things going on. Um and they kind of control that market right now. And Intel kind of, I, I think they finally see the writing on the wall, that they can't hold it back. They've tried to put all this work on x86 because they have such a lead there. And they only have one competitor in that market. But now, you know, NVIDIA is, is pushing really hard and GPGPU stuff. AMD is, is you know, a second behind there. They're not nearly as close to NVIDIA as, as they probably want to be. But there's so many workloads that really hand uh, uh, leverage GPUs so much better than x86. And I think finally it has gotten through to Intel as like, you know, we, we do have great x86 technology. We've got the best CPUs, best IPC, uh, you know, our multi-threading capabilities, our manufacturing is, is fantastic. But we have a large area that we're missing out in terms of automotive, in terms of AI, in terms of machine learning. All of these things where they've tried to shoehorn some of this stuff onto x86, but they just they they just don't have the throughput that like a GPU does in in some of these workloads. So it seems like the power is now maybe not so much the power is now going, but they're trying to embrace the GP GPU stuff, and they're bringing Raj in, and he's hopefully for them going to be the guy who can kind of put it all together. And get them on the right track because the future is not just x86. 
I mean, you can do all of these, you know, dozens of cores in there, but there are overheads in x86 that you just can't get around. And there are things that G- GPUs just do so much better. And it's all, it's all just design. It's all ISA. And so it looks like finally Intel is going to start heading in this direction uh, because for the past 10 years, when we've tried to been going into this more GPU, GPU stuff, Intel's been kind of a roadblock. It's not been in their interest to invest time in software, to invest time in, in developer relations, um, to try to get this stuff off the ground because they didn't have a competitive part. They didn't believe that there was a competitive part to their x86 products. So we're now getting to the point where yeah, NVIDIA is doing really well. AMD's doing some really interesting things as well. I mean, they've got the base technology there. They just need a little bit more money and support to to be able to to make that jump to where NVIDIA is. And I think Intel's finally finally realizing that. So we've seen, um, you know, Raj, I think he was burned out from AMD. I think they put a lot on his shoulders for the past three years, uh, definitely for the last two years. I, I doubt he's had much of a vacation, if anything. Mm. Um, he didn't show up for the Vega launch. I think that probably shows a few things uh, going on there. He took a sabbatical, took some time off. I think he got an offer that he just didn't feel that he could refuse. And, uh, you know, the future is going to be interesting. Uh, will Intel really be able to get past not being focused on x86 will they be able to provide the the software support the the manpower the design will to do these things are, are they going to be able to put out a generation of product and then have some negative reviews or or have not as much money as they expect come in and will they have the willpower to to stay that course to be able to say hey, okay here's what we did wrong here's where we're deficient we need to fix this and in two years we're going to be much stronger and we can, we can take on, you know, more of the companies around this. It's, it's, it's going to be a big question about what Intel is willing to do and what they have the fortitude to do. Anybody have any other comments, suggestion other than me just running my mouth dry? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, we're going to have a longer discussion about this probably next week. Wait, you mean this is the only time we're going to talk about this? When Ryan's back? Well, I mean, you know, we kind of need, you know, he's the one, he's the one that, like, you know, can pick up the phone and just call Roger. (laughs) And then not tell us. And then not tell us anything. Yeah. Which is probably what happened to Ryan. Well, yeah. I'm not so much sure it's the question of fortitude in a way, because Intel is sitting in such a lovely position that they, they can literally throw money at a problem just to see if it sticks to the wall. True, uh, and, and the group that Raj is going to be working with, uh, it's going to be probably an order of magnitude larger than anything he ever had at RTG. So, you know, in a way, that's got to excite a man to say, you know, I've been working so hard, but with limited resources for so long, and look what I've done. And now I'm going to have Intel's resources yeah. to work not just not on game, gaming computing or just general GPU stuff, but... The, the new high power computing and stuff that uh, NVIDIA definitely is challenging and AMD is starting to challenge with. I, I think he's going to have a lot of fun. Well, well I mean, it, he's gonna, it's going to be a process because 
the yeah. basis of engineers on the GPU group is nothing like what he had in RTG yet. So they're going to have to recruit. They're going to have to hire new people. And they're going to have to get kids out of college. Uh, and they're going to have to train. And they're going to have to work really hard to get to a level of competency with a large high-performing GPUs that it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not like he's being thrown in the sandbox and he's got all kinds of wonderful toys. He's got twice the playground that he ever had at AMD. That's it's not it's not unfortunately the way Intel has worked so far with graphics. But the the potential is there. They've got the money. They can hire people. They can transfer people into that group. They got they the can, fabs. Yep. They've got fabs. Yep. So give it's him a brand new you know, bright potential team of kids. Yeah. Yeah. The Although potential, I, I the potential you, is there, but it's going to be a process. Yes. But, and I guarantee you that in six to eight months, we are going to be seeing commenters screaming about how this was the stupidest thing ever. And Intel is never going to do it because <laughs> they haven't created brand new silicon within a year. Of course. It, it's going to happen. It's, of course there will be. I want to see what happens. We can call that right you now. Know, 18 months down the road, two years down the road. That's where I'm interested in. You need even longer than that because that would be the first product. That's when we start to see things. Yeah. And you're assuming that there's already a team ready to start designing as soon as he gets there for it to be 18 well, months. Well, no. As Josh so, says, yeah. uh, there's not going to be. Right. But there's going to be the manpower, or at least the resources, to get the manpower to do it. Well, yeah. it's it's interesting because Intel has a lot of great, really smart GPU engineers, but that's true. I just I I just I don't think they're allowed to do anything. Yeah, there's that too. I, I mean, think that's like, I think that's the the no. minus that he's going to run into. Like you have more freedom with a smaller company and a smaller group, right? This there's is a, true. There's a lot more minutia and just kind of. You well, know. well, and and just like if Intel doesn't decide that graphics is somewhere that they place an emphasis, like they haven't in the past ten years or whatever, then they're not going to let the graphics team have yeah. the budget they need and have the resources they need. I, I don't so think I don't think Roger, if, if they're I don't doubling think down would have on that, if like yeah, you know, you know, but now if they're doubling down on that, those yeah. engineers can finally get to work. Right. I would imagine that question came up in. the the talk <laughs> like you guys don't really have much of a priority on graphics why are you hiring me like, oh well we actually want a priority in graphics you know you can see that going down so i mean josh it, it it sounded like you were kind of going a little bit deeper into this reading between the lines more than what i've been reading in the news i mean it sounds like this is more of a a complete fundamental shift in intel's priorities and not just a oh, we're going to make better mobile GPU integration. Correct. You know, it, it does sound like that they are finally going to embrace a more heterogeneous, and then this is me just speculating, but it makes sense because x86 all the time, just it's not good for everything. I mean, we, we, we look at Larrabee. And it was all a bunch of x86 processors with these wide vector units attached to them. And it just didn't perform. And it ran incredibly hot. And it was just really inefficient at what it did. And there was too much stuff that was just programmable rather than, you know, uh, some dedicated hardware that did one thing. And it did one thing really, really well and really, really efficiently. Uh, you know, they had added, you know, like a handful of texture units to Larrabee because that was one thing that was 
you could do very, very simply if you designed the hardware around it. It was complex and troublesome and slow if you did it programmable through the CPU and, and the vector units. I mean, it's just, it was a bad situation. And they have to learn from this, and I think that they have, and they're going to have guys like Raj, and they're going to hire other people on there who will say, you know, here's a different way of looking things. Here's something that we can be uh, synergistic with rather than antagonistic. I mean, they eventually have to let go of being the x86 guy and they can still be x86 guy and have the best ipc and multi-core solutions out there but that's not going to be enough as you know arm is getting into this uh they're more interested in heterogeneous their partners are being more interested in that nvidia is pushing their arm and gpu in the autonomous driving uh stuff and in AI learning, machine learning, all of these things, and Intel probably, you know, looked and said, you know, we're falling behind. Mm. Yeah, we have an advantage now, but that's not going to last forever. And unless we start pivoting where we're at, we're going to fall behind. We may have these great CPUs, but eventually the software world with all of these, you know, I mean, you're going to sell a couple of million cars a year um i mean you're gonna have security systems that will utilize you know facial recognition and all these ai machine learning stuff i mean it's just billions of parts that will be sold each year in in this you know internet of things and and automated um areas that intel will just be kicked out if they can't perform at the price and level that they're expected to be Mm. And and this isn't their first attempt we've seen in the past 18 months to a year of desperately trying to get in those markets with the acquisition of Mobileye, with the acquisition of Nirvana and launching the Nirvana AI chip at the end of this year. Like they're, they're desperately trying to get in this market, and I think this is just another piece of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of seems like those other areas were Band-Aids. Yeah, exactly. Because they did mm-hmm. not have a central huge push into one direction. I'm like, well, we need some of this. And so they throw it in the mix and need some of this, but they didn't have a philosophy that would embrace all of those things. And to be able to give it equal time and space to their X86 business. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, an, an outside guy who sometimes reads some magazines, doesn't know very much, maybe talks to a person now and then, but that's what it seems like to me that they've got to get their base philosophy away from their, their core expertise. Otherwise they're going to be left behind and hiring Raja and getting into these other areas with a little bit more flexibility will help until stay relevant for decades to come. All right. Or at least they hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, doke. Uh, next up. Speaking of, like, people making chips and stuff. Um, no. No. Read the screen. What? Oh. They don't make, they don't make chips. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, no, we they can't don't. go there yet. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to turn it over. The chips on the bed, either. I, I'm going to turn it over don't to resident, uh, resident Casper expert Jim. Hello. Who owns multiple 
Casper Mattresses. Yeah, so uh, today's show, today's episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, as Alan said. And uh, let, me, let me tell you guys a story. Um, so this is, this is a, uh, you know, a paid Hey, Jim. Ad. Hey, Jim. Yes. Can you tell us a story? Yes, I'm going to tell Ooh, you a story. Oh, story time with Jim. Story time. Uh, Josh, I've got my marshmallows out. If you could fall asleep, uh, that'd be great. Uh, no. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a paid ad, but my story isn't. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I was listening to the PC Perspective Podcast. I didn't work here. I mean, I still don't technically really work here, but I just kind of squatted for a while. But uh, I was uh, at our old house. I was listening to the podcast, and, and the problem is I'm a big, big guy. My wife isn't. We kind of got like a Fred and Wilma Flintstone thing going on. Your wife is not a guy, yes. Correct. Well, she's not a big person. She's oh, okay. a very skinny, attractive redhead. I'm a big, fat brunette. So uh, <laughs> it's, starting next year. It's hard to uh, – yeah, next on Fox. Um, it's hard to find a mattress that fits. You know, we, we, we've had a variety of mattresses in our, in our marriage, and uh, it was hard to find one that fit both of our – you know, it was comfortable to both of us. So I was listening to the PC Perspective podcast maybe 18 months ago. And I heard an ad for Casper, this this company that somehow said they would ship you a mattress through the internet. So I said, "Well, let me try that out." So we bought one, um, and we love it. I mean, it's it's great. They they will uh, you go online. They offer a variety of mattress sizes, and they they started as a mattress company. They're really evolving into sort of like a sleep company because they offer uh, bed sheets, pillows, bed uh, mattress support frames, uh, all that stuff you need. Uh, but we got the mattress. It worked for both of us. Uh, they're designed and manufactured in the USA. They are uh, memory foam, multiple types of memory foam. They create just the right bounce, just the right uh, sink to be supportive. They're breathable so you don't get hot. Um, and, and they're really – they're comfortable for, for all types of people. Uh, my, like I said, my wife and I went through three mattresses prior to the Casper and we either – one of us liked it and the other didn't and it was just kind of back and forth. The Casper is one we can both settle on. Uh, and it's and it's really been great. Um, so, like I said, they they ship it to your house, and they've got a one hundred night trial. So, if you're concerned about buying a mattress in a store, if you're concerned about just trying to decide on this major purchase that you're going to spend a lot of time on in fifteen minutes in front of a, a creepy store mattress salesman, have them ship it to your home. Try it for a hundred nights. If you don't like it. Just tell them, and they will come, and you don't have to try to get it back in the box. They will come and just take it from you and, and return it and give you your money back. Uh, it's really a uh, fantastic way to tell if this mattress is for you, and based on my experience, I, th- I think you're really going to like it. Uh, so to check it out, go to casper.com slash pcper and use the promo code pcper, and you'll get 50 bucks off your uh, mattress purchase. Uh, since we bought that first one, we've bought two more, uh, and, and at full price, not because I'm associated with this or anything. Uh, we, 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 well, I use the PC per code, so not technically full price. I save 50 bucks, uh, just like you should. <laughs> so, so check that out. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's casper.com slash PC per check it out. Uh, check out all their mattresses, their, their sheets. We, we've, I haven't tried their pillows, but their sheets are really good. Um, we bought one of their bed frames too, and it was really easy to put together and real supportive. Uh, so check that out. Casper.com slash PC per offer code PC per, and we thank Casper so much for their support of the PC perspective podcast. All right, cool. It's a dangerous website for me to go to because I need I need to make you make are, some purchases uh, yeah. in, in this in this particular area. Hey, is that just a yeah? So, is that just the box spring or yeah? They they do box springs too apparently. Well, Sweet. like it, it's it's it looks like it's a frame with slats on yeah, box yeah, yeah. spring. But I wonder if there's storage under that. 
It, it's really uh, hard there, to compress you though, so it's got to it. be coming in pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 just throw yeah, a couple hard drives. Assemble the frame, but like that it, looks it really actually easy. very intelligent in the way that it assembles. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, little, little better than IKEA, maybe. Pretty yes, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Okay, now, uh, now that I've, I'm over my out of order execution, as the chat said. Um, now we can talk about some CPUs uh, from Qualcomm, and they're not like CPUs that go in your phone; they're like CPUs that go in the server. Interesting. Um, interesting. It is. It is very interesting. Also, I mm-hmm. noticed like either that's a small wafer or those are really big dies. They're it's four hundred millimeter square dies. Well, those are pretty Ooh. big dies. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of a little bit of Photoshop there because it's all skewed and nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a four hundred millimeter square die. But what do you get with that 400 millimeter square? Well, uh, you get 60 megs of RAM of, of uh, L3 cache. Uh huh. You get 24 megs of L2 cache. This is a six channel DDR4 controller. 48 cores. Yep. 48 mm-hmm. cores, six channel DDR. Four, 32 yeah, lanes at, of PCIe. Uh, 2667. All right. 120 watts. Only 120 watts, and it's one of the Only first server chips. watts. <laughs> On Samsung's new 10 nanometer process node. That's way fewer nanometers than the competition. <laughs> way fewer. Uh, it's pretty low. But of course, you know, we can argue ad nauseum about what 10 man- nanometer <laughs> means versus 14 well, nanometer. Well, I mean, at this point, it's effectively 10 let's nanometers, not go right? Like, you know, basically. Yeah, whatever. But uh, runs at uh, 2.6 gigahertz max. Base clock, only 2.2. It's kind of amazing. Now, uh, the throughput looks to be pretty impressive. Do, do we know if that max Still, clock is done per core, or is that a overall chip max clock? Sure. I don't think we have. We that don't know yet. Info. Okay. I mean, if the base is two point two, you would presume that it could get to two point six on all yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, in certain scenarios, or at least, or at least uh, within yeah. the TDP or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's just not very often you're going to be pegging 48 cores. No, yeah. probably not. Yeah, but I mean, the workloads do exist, and especially for what this is going to be used for. It's the Falcor core. Falcor. Is that the is Falcor. that the flying is that the flying puppy dog from? Uh... <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh wow! Never-ending story. That, that's the best code name ever. All right. They should have photoshopped Falcor in there with the with the die shot. They're, they're waiting for the next What's the uh, name of the stone the giant on the tricycle? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, impressive specs for a server, for a compute, where you need, you know, just crap loads of cores and threads, right? Uh, no hyper-threading. Just straight, you know, one core per thread. And that's okay. Yeah, and 120 watts, that's... It's low. That's kind of impressive. I yeah. mean, if you look at uh, some Intel stuff, like uh, they're... Oh, what is it? Uh, they're 20 core and 24 core, which are hyper threaded. You're looking at 150 to 180 watts, mm-hmm. if not higher. So they're yeah, uh, like the they're 8180 is 205. Thing. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, it's always. But, uh, been... You know, they, they implemented a ring bus. Um, they got a ton of L3 cache, like I mentioned. Yep. It's a bi directional uh, ring bus, like Intel style. 
Yeah. Well, older Intel style. But, Intel's moved on from that recently. Yeah. Yeah. They went to a more networked yeah, type. Mesh. 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 Yeah. But, no, I've been but yeah, this, they're, uh, you know, with we have the promise. AM- Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. For quite a while, because it's two completely different ways of trying to get to the server room. Intel and AMD have always been very high power parts, but they need to try to figure out how to make them draw less power, especially as the cores ramp up. Qualcomm, on the other hand, has been pulling a lot or two and now has to figure out, okay, how do we get more powerful? How do we build something that can actually use more wattage so we can hit it into the server room? And so we're finally starting to see them meet towards in the middle um, where you know, up until now, Intel and AMD have certainly had the power, uh, processing power, as opposed to the voltage power, a, a huge advantage uh, versus Qualcomm's initial, uh, and they've never really put out uh, a product. They've put out demonstrations. We've been hearing about Centric for, it must be at least a year and a half now. And now, like looking at this, and of course, we don't have benchmarks, so we don't know exactly how well implemented this is, but just looking at the raw statistics, Intel might be a little bit worried right now because that's going to be really, really cheap to run if it works well, even close to what uh, an Intel will. Right now, they're, it seems like people are just still kicking the tires on this because the amount of software infrastructure you've got to have to be able to run this effectively yeah. and in something that they feel is secure, and not only that, but will not crash. I mean, that's... That is a tremendous amount of development and testing and QC time that uh, that a company is willing to to have to do to implement this. And so, yeah, they're getting a savings per chip as compared to Intel. But getting to there is going to be a long road for Qualcomm and its partners, and mm-hmm. it's all going to be around software and OS. It, it, uh, it almost virtualization. Seems... Like, it, like if you're a CenturyLink and you're like, all right, I got to fill up a data center. Uh, so, what can you guys do, Qualcomm? Can you set me up with stuff that I can do virtualization on and run just about whatever the hell my client needs on it? Or do I have to tell my clients, okay, there's changes you have to make on your end? Because if they can do it, so that the client doesn't really have to make any changes or doesn't see any changes, like. Places like that are going to go ape shit for this. Well, hasn't there been – there's been a couple, like not even third party. I want to say like fourth party hosting companies that do alternative architecture hosting. Um, like VPS is really cheap, you know, like three bucks a month for an ARM-based, you know, virtualization server. Um, Jeremy, you kind of touched on a good point there because it, it's really easy to, to deploy to a you know, a, a nice, fast, high-powered platform, and then slap more virtual machines on it. Um, with these small, small cores and a bunch of them, you know, where where's the the workload where you can bring in a client in that hosted environment and have that work better than the existing hardware? You know, I. It's really, really interesting, but I'm kind of at a loss where this fits in. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, you know, AMD had a tremendous amount of experience with servers, with their Opteron. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. 
they grabbed a pretty good and significant chunk of uh, market share with that when it was introduced in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. And they purchased C-Micro, remember? And they were going to do the ARM stuff and the servers and the really dense things. What happened to C-Micro? They sold it. Never made any money. The hurdles towards acceptance were just seemingly too high. When's the last time you heard about the AMD K12? <laughs> Actually, chat was just talking about it before the podcast. Well, yeah, well you talk about <laughs> yeah. weird stuff, Alex. Well, yeah. Um, well, we were talking earlier. Bef- go, go ahead, ahead Josh. All right. Um, no, go ahead. I mean, I really well, we were talking about this, this, this AMD Intel stuff prior over the past couple of days when it was coming out. Um, and there was sort of a an undercurrent saying that Apple did this. This is Apple's hand behind the scenes, you know, pushing him towards this. Um, and then there was this sort of not even a rumor, but more just a, you know, conjecture that maybe Apple's pushing actually to move more towards ARM across the board. They already have their the Cortex line. They have the the information in house. They have the experience in house now. Um, would this fit into their master plan somehow? Maybe, maybe down the road. Certainly, but it's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's again, it's, uh, the, you know, they've got all of this experience on iOS with ARM, but Mac OS is still BSD based. They've got a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, software. And certainly if there was one company who could change from one architecture <laughs> to another, it's, it's Apple with PowerPC to, to x86. But they rely on Intel a lot, and Intel is able to do a lot of interesting things, I think, for them mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, making product whenever they need it and, and you know, having some flexibility there and adding features as needed, uh, not only to the CPUs, but but to the, uh, the I.O. Uh, stuff and their south bridges. And, yeah, I think it, it, it probably is, is fair to say that Apple had something to say about Intel really upping their game in graphics and you know just so happens that apple is a close partner with amd in terms of graphics and intel is their cpu supplier for anything mac you know it's it's like chocolate and peanut butter to them <laughs> to apple why not just put one now they can buy it from one person product on on one substrate that has both of them together in a way that uh, fits apple's needs and and their Cabby Lake G stuff is is just exactly that. Mm-hmm. But what about everyone's favorite abusive internet relationship? Qualcomm and Ample can't split up. I, I need to read about new <laughs> lawsuits constantly. Oh, I think you'll be reading <laughs> about those just, the Apple next decade at boring. least. That's not enough. I need Qualcomm and Apple at each other constantly. It, it, it's one of those relationships where it's just so abusive you're not sure it's ever going to end. Yeah, But we'll see. It seems like for Qualcomm, this is such – it's kind of almost the most difficult market to get into because, again, there's such a long tail on this stuff. Someone like – it's like Jeremy's example of CenturyLink might buy like, I don't know, a couple racks full of these to mess around with. But 
They're not going to fill a data center until the second or the third generation until it's actually proven to be around for yeah. long enough for them to invest mm-hmm. invest in the art in the architecture. But you got to start it. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Qualcomm's been around the block. You know, no one's going to say, "Oh, they can't make chips." I mean, sure, but they could get <laughs> bored with this market pretty right. quickly, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely an interesting product. Yeah. I I kind of want to keep an eye on this because I think it's really cool. Yeah, be cool to get our hands on one of these uh, server equipment. Yeah, I don't would, know. That if would we be will. nice. I that think Brian really should nice. work on that. That'd be fun. We've got plenty of space in the rack. Yeah, you know, it'd exactly. also be cool to get our hands on. Ryan is definitely trying to get his hands on this. We know oh, Ryan's trying to get his hands on this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, hey, you remember that tease last week of a new thing from Nvidia? Yeah. And it had the Titan branding on it. Yeah. And people thought it was going to be cool and exciting. Yeah. Well, it is, but not not quite in the not way. the kind of cool and exciting you might have expected. Um. So, light and dark side collector's edition Titan XPs. Uh. Well, Titan X Pascal, right? No. Titan XPs. Oh, the real XP. Sorry. The second ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pre-order November 8th, and there's like the light side and the dark side. Yeah, so pre-orders went up today. You have to do it through GFE, so you have to have a GeForce graphics card installed on your computer you're trying to pre-order it on. Oh. Which is what Ryan was running into because he's (laughs) away from work using a ThinkPad. That's true. (laughs) So he couldn't get into GFE to pre-order one of these. Was he trying to pre-order one of each? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. Because if you were ever wanted to SLI a pair of graphics cards. Yeah. They'd never get along. Can you SLI those? What, What color would you make the LED on the bridge? Um, <laughs> yeah, just, or just wait, white. that got deprecated with the retcon, didn't it? No, there are uh, no more gray Jedi's. Yeah, now, Jim, yeah, yeah. as the only one here who's ever bought a Titan, uh-huh. how do you feel about these cards? You bought two. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. How do you, I, I bought, how do you feel? Is it comfortable about this? to sleep on? Does your well, wife like yours? Were what? <laughs> were yours the Pascals or the XPs? Uh, Pat, well, so I bought first gen Pascal. Okay. This is the, this is the third Titan release. Pascal third Pascal based Titan release, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I bought the I bought the one that they nicknamed that the, the community nicknamed Titan XP. Right. Then 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 they came out with the actual Titan XP and now this. So yeah. um, I mean they're they're selling I mean they're selling it's the same exact specs as the current Titan yeah. XP. They're not gonna make a yeah. lot. They're of not these. making a lot. You have yeah. to buy them direct through through yeah. uh, not only just direct through NVIDIA, but direct through GeForce Experience app. Isn't um, it only supposed to be like like five hundred so, each or if, something. If, if you were going to buy one, and you're into Star Wars, great. Uh, it's not a you know it's not a huge deal uh, for the, the market. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks cool. They do look. Cool. It should at least come with a Battlefront Two CD key. Yes, my God, <laughs> that's what I was kind yeah. of expecting. So pop. Yeah, you better get some. Give them some incentive. Yeah, because I mean, I thought even the PR was talking about. Yeah, you could play your favorite Star Wars game and da da da. Like, well, I mean that that's obviously like. I'm, I'm sure that's how they got their door in to do these is by is with e, through EA and uh, Battlefront. Being do you a, think they if you put them together like that? Do you get does the lightsaber actually happen? Like, <laughs> sure, why not? Well, one way to find out, Alan. Give me your credit card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Actually, I don't know. You might be maxed out on mining equipment. Probably. But, probably. <laughs> I mean, do you think that that Nvidia set out to? pursue this branding or do you think they had a bunch of gp 102 titan xps sitting around and they're like let's just put a new you know slightly redesigned chassis on them either 
both. I mean, their sales are probably <laughs> the sales are probably starting to fall off a little on these because you got you know 1080 Ti is pretty good. Didn't they add extra I mean, the functionality? Ti. So did the, Nvidia recently add like more compute stuff to their? What? They they they, huh? they changed their driver to increase performance in certain computing yeah. compute applications. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for the to TI. counter to counter AMD right, which kind of like meant you could do some of that compute with non. Titan X slash XP cards, like mm-hmm. you could do it with lower end mm-hmm. cards, right? So people might just be buying like 1080 Ti's and stuff to do that same stuff with, mm-hmm. and, you know, and getting away with it possibly. Well, I mean, if if you're gaming, there's no need to, there's no reason to that not too. go with yeah. a 1080 Ti. If you're professional applications and you're serious about it, you're probably going to want application certification, so you're probably going to want to go Quadro, right? I mean, the, the Titan line has always been sort of the bastard child. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, it's it's a it's a very niche specialized product, which is why they don't let their OEMs sell it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's, it's it's the you pay us a lot more money to get the extra five percent. Yes, yeah. if you need the most powerful single GPU for some reason. Now, when I bought mine, it was because it was the twelve gigs of RAM, and at the time, the GTX ten eighty only offered eight. Yeah, so that's why I went with mine. Yep, but now with the ten eighty Ti at eleven mm-hmm. gigs of memory, so that that's the there is. I mean, nobody in nobody in their right mind should buy this card. That's, <laughs> That's it's, it's, Brian it's really cool. And Ryan, Ryan probably talked himself into getting one, um, and then he'll bitch about it for two weeks. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a cool thing. But there's no there's no sense in that. Unless I hate you to were, say unless it, you were already going to buy a Titan XP. Ryan's Ryan's reason. just going to treat it as if it is a limited edition 500. Uh, you know, one of 500 piece of art. Oh, yeah, probably that, just, if Ryan buys two of those, just, they're not going in a PC. Yeah, they're just they're, gonna, they're going on that set. They'll over get there. framed over there yeah, next yeah. to the lightsaber. You can't, the audience it's can't that, really tell. It's but, that filthy analyst lucre <laughs> that, is, that is causing him to buy these things. Yeah, he's never yeah. had a problem buying random shit before. Since he started his recent Disney kick, there's this office is filling up with Star Wars memorabilia. It, it see, has. He's having see, drop ship straight from Walt Disney World. Well, see, it was always and picks it up now oh does he yeah he personally he's going down there all the time it, he was always yeah. like that with star wars stuff there was just less of it until the disney train and there was came, disney came, and he had a child so yeah. it's just this huge you know and then his and then his daughter walks in the office and picks up the the tie fighter off your desk and goes tie fighter you mm-hmm. know and just like yeah that really how I mean, old you know as a father of a five-year-old <laughs> who is not interested at all in star wars despite my best efforts it does warm my heart to see emmeline at, at two and a half yeah say millennium falcon yeah <laughs> yeah i couldn't spell that till i was 13 well this kid's uh you know yeah she's she's, she's Ryan, got ryan's the, doing something right drinking I mean, he's doing a lot wrong but he's doing something right <laughs> basically yeah Brutal, man. Jacob, Brutal. You're watching this. You know, speaking of you need Disney, to come out with a new uh, set of uh, SLI bridges. Oh, Make yeah. them look like the old style ribbon cables, and clearly label them master. And ah, apprentice. And apprentice. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! And send then, me, send me the royalties. And then all the master Star Wars fans, and slave Leia, and then and oh, all the Star right. Wars fans just took out a sharpie and some ribbons. Isn't isn't like in the next two years, Mickey Mouse? Is going to become public domain? No, no, no I don't no. think it's ever going to become public domain. And never happened. That's almost happened like a dozen times in the last forty years, and Congress yeah. keeps extending it. Yeah, the Sunny Bono. Yeah, law. isn't it like every five years it comes up? Uh, but, no, I mean it depends because each time they've extended it, it's been for a different period of time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, it, that it'll never. Mickey Mouse and certain corrupt members of Congress are the reason why <laughs> nothing is ever public domain in 
30 years, right? It's been like something like the 80s. It's been stretched yeah, it's way been beyond a long, 30. Long time. I think. Yeah, because like it initially it was like death of the author plus it, 70. Yep. Plus some years, now and now it's, it's up like 90. Plus yeah. 90, and plus there's some certain stipulations if it was used after the author died by a registered agent of the author, then that extends it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's ad infinitum. Yeah. And there's the mouse clause if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I I hate Disney now. <sighs> oh, you should. Oh, did uh, I say that? Oh, no. Sorry. No. no. I just, I, we don't know what Jeremy's talking about. He's acting us. alone. Don't kill us. He's a Canadian. <laughs> he doesn't understand how things are done in Man, the I'm United about to States. Go, I'm about to fix all this stuff up in post. <laughs> or we're going to get, like, takedown notices right after we post. What? From me talking like Mickey for a second? I oh, yeah. We're going to get a takedown for that. That'd be impressive. Oh, yeah. Just do the yeah. whole podcast in the voice of Mickey. Oh, yeah. What would happen? Fans actually got the email right now. Michael Eisner would come and shoot you in the head. Well, Yeah. I He's got him. some free time now. He's not CEO <laughs> anymore. Right. Who's CEO now? Bob Iger. Iger. Some Iger. female gal. But it's always it's always better to make fun of Michael Eisner. No, no Josh, uh, K- Kathleen Kennedy is just running Lucasfilm. Or I mean, she's doing more than that. But she's she's uh, she's in control of Star Wars for Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Taught an electronics troubleshooting class on the voice of Strong Bad once. Moving on, uh, you know what Strong Dad likes? VPNs. Amplify. <laughs> oh, Amplify. Sorry. Jim, you wrote about this. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. So Am- Amplify, uh, which we talked about earlier this year when we kind of did our mesh Wi-Fi or mesh networking roundup, uh, Amplify is the, the consumer brand of Ubiquity, which we've also talked about because we're using some of their products here in our, ne- our network. So Ubiquity is enterprise-focused, Amplify is consumer-focused. And they um, – yesterday, was it? What day is today? Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, announced this um, this device called Teleport, which is a sort of plug-and-play VPN-like device that if you travel, you have to have their router at home and then you take this thing with you. Plug it in when you get to the hotel, either connect it through Wi-Fi or Ethernet to the public hotel Wi-Fi or wherever you are, the public Wi-Fi, and then connect your device to this thing. And now you are securely connected to your home network. And so that not only lets you browse privately and securely, because sometimes public networks are not safe, uh, but it also gives you access uh, to your home network resources as if you were at home. So if you have a NAS in your home, you can access that. If you've got other file shares, if you uh, are traveling Uh, overseas and everything on Netflix is blacked out, you connect through this and Netflix, as far as it's concerned, says you're home. And so you get access to your, your, you know, whatever you'd get at home, same with sports and blackouts and things like that. So it's really neat. If you're familiar with VPNs, it's, it's, it's basically a hardware plug and play VPN type thing. We don't know specifically what the encryption is it's using to connect. So we don't know if it's using one of the standard VPN protocols or, uh, if it's, uh, Something special that Ubiquity baked up, uh, but uh, we're going to find that out. But as, as you know, as we as of now, all we know is it's an encrypted connection uh, to your home. It's uh, on Kickstarter, which is interesting because this is a big company. They shouldn't really need to rely on Kickstarter. And that's no. kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, yeah, it's a low. It's a cool thing nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the the goal I think is fifty thousand. Uh, so they're probably going to hit that. So it's low. So you know, I guess. Whatever, but uh, if you go through Kickstarter and you're one of the first uh, to do it, uh, it's one ninety nine, and then there's like a second round of early bird where it goes up another thirty bucks, 
and Alan broke Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Finally, someone broke. There we go. Hooray. And uh, and then I think the final price was two sixty nine, and that gets you the the router, which prior to this was the base of their mesh networking system. It works on its own as a Wi Fi router, uh, but you can then connect the mesh points to it. So you get that and the teleport, and then if you want, you can extend it with mesh access points at your house if you want the full you know mesh uh, experience uh, but it's it's a neat device it is a little costly it, you know if you if you know about vpns you know a lot of routers have vpn servers built in uh, you can it, subscribe to vpn services some are free some are cheap uh, it's not really worth it but if you're if you're not into that if you don't want to worry about that you just kind of want a plug and play solution and you do travel a lot it's it's probably something to consider uh, like I said, you do have to move your network at home over to Amplify System because it has to be acting as your router at the house for this all to work. But uh, but it's not a bad – I mean in our experience when we tested it, Eero, which is another mesh company, came out on top a little bit in our experience. But the Amplify System was still pretty great. So that's not really a negative to use that as your router uh, if you have to make that switch. Looks like a prerequisite to ownership is uh, you have to have a bunch of IKEA furniture. Sure, yes. Oh, we'll send our sample to Sebastian. Yes. Okay. <laughs> And as far as we can tell, there's no there's no fees. Like there's no subscriptions. There's no you know, monthly fee you have to pay to use it. Once you buy the hardware, that's it. Uh, of course, it also means that it's reliant on your network connection. So yeah. if you've got crappy networking at the hotel you're at, or if your upload speed at the house is is terrible, this isn't going to do much for you. Um, but if you've got decent network connection in both both points, uh, it, it it's a it's an interesting device. We've asked them to send us one. Uh, it's going to be shipping in December, and they said they'll get us one closer to that ship date. So we'll get it in, and we'll, we'll take a look and see, you know, see how it works in practice. But on paper, uh, something to keep an eye on. Interestingly enough, it's something that would actually be really useful to us here, but we're Why? using the Plex U- servers never up, anyways. We're using Ubiquity products instead of Amplify products, so <laughs> yeah, we have to do it the hard way. Yeah, and VPN isn't hard. No, it but just, it can get a little complicated okay. in certain so, scenarios. So let's go into the woods a little here. The issue we've had with VPN is that our internal network is 192.168.1.x, and that's you're not, you're what where all of our networks are at home. Yeah, you can't use the same subnet on the remote end, yeah. which mm-hmm. I wonder if they get around with this thing. Somehow. They do because you bring a piece of hardware with you that right. you connect through. Right. Yeah. So well, I imagine if, they get around that. And if it's using yeah. – it's saying it's zero configuration. If it's going back to the base station at your house, it's going to know what subnet it is. Mm-hmm. So, so the actual address it gives – yeah. 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 I mean you're connected to the device. So it's like they could make it some random subnet that doesn't conflict with their Amplify yeah. stuff. Because you probably can't you – know, I don't even know if you can change the subnet on your Amplify router. Um, I think I would, it's, you, you get a choice. It's like yeah, you can okay. choose between 169 and 10.1. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly interesting. If if you have like a file server at home and you travel a lot, I think it's a pretty good idea, especially since you get a solid Wi-Fi system out of it. Yeah. One of the other mm-hmm. points, this, this doesn't apply to me but and to a lot of us, but they said, you know, if you have multiple houses, you've got a vacation home or you have <laughs> multiple houses. As you do. You plug one in at the second house or the vacation home, 
and you can share the same resources. So no matter where you are, hmm. you always have your file share available. You always have the same Netflix content. You can always watch your sports team through MLB or NHL or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. But again, only if you have good network connection. Yeah, you need a solid network connection yeah. at, at home this base. This is going to do miracles if you're on crappy 3 megabit dial-up or, or uh, DSL, rather. Uh, well, the other thing make sure you've is, got the upload speed. Yeah, upstream yeah. is usually you know, what's not great. Like, yeah. I mean, I've got 300 megabit, but my upstream is only like 10 or something. 20. It, okay. <laughs> it's not great. Can you no, tell we're all what the on the same is. internet plan? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. So, uh, say you were traveling to China and you wanted to play StarCraft 2 on your VPN. Well, you're certainly going to need a VPN. Um, um, yeah. See, that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, StarCraft 2 is going free to play November 11th or 14th. Would you look at that? Yeah. So this gets you access to multiplayer, including rank matches, which is cool. Yeah, some of the co-op missions and the Wings of Liberty campaign, which I think is the first one, the Terran campaign. Sweet. Yep. And uh, this is really cool. If you already own Wings of Liberty, like I did, because I bought StarCraft II when it first came out in the first in the first iteration, mm-hmm. they're actually giving you the second campaign for free. So you Sweet. get the. So you get the uh, I think it's the uh, oh the Zerg. The, yeah, the Zerg campaign. So they still make sure to give you something. Yeah, that's just like a small little detail that I would never expect. Right. It looks like you do have to claim that between today and December 8th, so in the next month. So I need to log in and do that. But yeah, it's cool that they pay attention to the people that kind of bought StarCraft 2 and then forgot about the other two campaigns coming out like I did. Hmm. Cool. You should I play StarCraft 2. I got bored of the... Uh the last one, I never actually finished the Protoss. Yeah. Should do that one day. The story goes places from what I've seen. Not that you're necessarily in StarCraft for the story, but it goes some very interesting places. It's apparently worth seeing um, through. All right. Just there for the, the cutscenes. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Sarge. <laughs> okay, Doke. Uh, in other rumors, Google Pixel 2 XL is slow to charge, supposedly. Among other issues. Among other issues. Been having. Uh, do we have one of these? Does somebody uh, we know have one of these? Uh, no, we don't have any hands-on with one of these, but I've, this has essentially been confirmed at this point. It only charges at a max of 10.5 watts. That doesn't seem like fast charging to me. No, and the Pixel 1 had fast charging. So... Fast charging but is... But if you, you charge it too fast, then that burns into the screen, and, well, <laughs> they already got more problems. Yeah, well, how many, watt hours, how many watt hours is the battery? I don't remember, but... Oh, when the screen is on, it drops to six. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's using power. Well, does that mean that it's only drawing six still, and meaning that the screen is taking some of that away, and so you're charging the battery at even less than six? Because yep. you could only measure it at the input. Uh, click on that Google Plus link just right? to make so, sure how he measured it. Now he used the multimeter in line, so, yeah. Multimeter in line, just with the USB cable. Yeah. Where, where is this thing? Wait, is this the guy who did all the Amazon Type-C? I believe it is, which is why this, oh, is, okay. this is a very important thing. Or at least he's he's been doing a lot of this stuff recently. Yeah. I scrolled through his Google Plus page. Oh, yeah, this is a guy whose Pixelbook got blowed up. Yeah, so this is definitely someone I charge. Or it's trust, not charge. Uh, uh, heavy while charging. Da, da, da. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it might be doing that for like thermal concerns. In other words, it might be, it might pull itself back to six watts because the screen is on. Yeah, because the screen's heat. on and the yeah. CPU is doing yeah. stuff, and so it's like a thermal envelope, like pre-programmed thing, right? Yeah. Um, which I could see someone doing, but that means, uh, yeah. So the input will go up to eleven watts from six. Yeah, that's um, yeah, only two watts is directed to the battery. So there you go. If you're that's using it while it's plugged rough. in. Yeah, the don't char- do that. That charge rate is no- almost nothing. Yeah, like, that's just and, and like he says, if you're using screen on, if you're doing GPS in the car, you're depleting your battery. That's true. Like, wow, that's kind of an issue. Yeah, I haven't had that kind of an issue since like I had like an iPhone 3G or something, and one of those car stereos with the USB port on it that only charged at 500 milliamps. At, at 500 milliamps. Yeah, and then that would like lose charge if you were GPSing at the same time. It would barely break even right yeah how can you be at that point with the phone today that's just uh, the, the, the crazy. pixel 2xl in particular has had some issues we'll say i i anecdotally i know people with them i have a friend who has one and he really likes hasn't really run into any issues so i mean it's not necessarily deal breakers depending on yeah it's just something to consider yeah. if you're heavy you know if your use case involves you know trying to use the phone and have it plugged in and yeah, just good stuff to know that if you're depending on fast charging, maybe go look at another phone. So does that phone just not support the higher voltage, or is it just that... Uh, well, the original Pixel did 5-volt, 3-amp. Oh. And this okay. one seems to not be negotiating at that. Well, Kyle in the chat says his is charged fine. Well... So there might be... Yeah. There might be something, some detail we're missing some here. hardware. Kyle yeah. hasn't put his on a meter yet. I'd be interesting, interested to see if he does that, what he comes out with. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be, like, trying to use it while it was plugged in and then be paying attention. Well, he's to saying he uses it in the car with GPS, and oh. it, it, well, it's gets a, a, it gets car an active charge. It's overpowered in every single way. He's just got the AC cranked, keeping the phone nice and cool. Yeah, right yeah. Front of the vent. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's down there, down south, where it's probably still hot. Always hot. <sighs> All right. Uh, that, I think that's it for the news, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, hardware, software picks. Unless anybody's got anything else before we move on. I got none. None? None? None for the past 20 years. So uh, I got an email today, <laughs> and like Samsung's been doing a bunch of sales on TVs lately. Like It was like a few weeks ago I got an email about like some sales, and then those ended, and then I just today I got another email from them, and like, hey, it's there's more TVs. That time of year. And I'm flipping through the, 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 you know, scrolling down the email, and just a, basically a list of all their you know, whatever models are on sale. And this one caught my eye. Um, it's their current generation. This is not, uh, it's 4K, but it's not, um, not HDR. And it's not like LED. No, you it know, is HDR. It's not, is it HDR? Yeah. And it's LED. For only 3300 bucks, not, uh, I, was, I was, pray to God that it's HDR. I was trying to say it's not uh, OLED. But, um, no. but here's the thing. thirty. It's 3300 bucks for the 82-inch model. <laughs> That's a big effing TV. It's I mean, taller than I've you. Seen bigger. Holy cr- <laughs> Like, it's just that usually when you hit that size class of the TV, that's you, a lot of glass. The prices are usually much higher than that. That's just surprisingly low for the size of that screen. Yeah. 
Um, like I don't have a wall in my house that would fit on. Absolutely yeah, not. Like even I don't this, have a car I could transport that in. Oh no, so, like, I could go to Best Buy and pick it up. Yeah, because I couldn't get it home. Yeah, that was the other thing. Like Ken was saying, <laughs> Ken looked up Best Buy. Like Amazon, immediately, can like, I get this one by drone? Yeah, please? Like, hey, I just want to pick this up locally. You know, and, for, first of all, they didn't seem to stock it regularly in our store, which makes sense. I think it was. Well, it's not that it was recently launched. I just don't think they they were previously moving that many of them. But like, I think the normal price on it was like five or six grand or something. Yeah. So to come down to that that price, holy crap! Yeah. That's I mean, pretty impressive. If you look at the the prices for the more normally sized sets, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're also pretty good. Now this set, uh, like if you're uh, you know stickler for detail on like what the actual reproduction and contrast and all that. It's the other not necessarily stuff. the best TV you can buy right now. The, yeah. the OLEDs are better. The 2016 8000 series is actually a little better in color reproduction in some areas. Yep. But I mean, but they're, they're difficult inches. to find now because they're they're old sets. The LG C7 OLEDs have been on sale, but it's still like 15 1600 bucks for 55 inch slash uh like 2300 bucks for 65 inch, I think. So, yeah. This is a pretty good deal. Just trying to picture, like, what what size is that LG set? Is that 65? Yeah, it's 65. Yep. That's only a 65. 82. That's huge. Only yeah. a 65. 82. Well, yeah, I, I have a 50 at home. And like, Yeah, I got a 55 in my living room. And yeah. it I think I have. Hours, I, I cannot imagine a, having a 65-inch TV, at least. In no. Where you I you have know what size my TVs me. are? I think mine's a 55. or Mine might be a 60. Uh, it's probably a 55. Both my 32-inch. Yeah, yeah, just yes. It's more than you can fit four of those in the eighty-two. Takes a brave man to admit that. (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. You're welcome. But just you know, I'm just used to seeing. Anytime you get like over seventy inches on a TV, that's why the prices are going up into like you know ten k or something crazy. Yeah, just usually it's just this exponential increase where this is kind of linear. I mean, sort of. Well, uh, the 65 inch is obviously the best deal. Yeah, the 65 is a good deal. It's like 1500 bucks for a 65. Because you jump up another grand to get the 75 inch. Yeah. And then... And then it's less. It's like... Yeah. It's like f- almost 500 more to go from 75 to yeah. 82. And 49 to 55 is only a couple hundred bucks. So the 55 and the 65 would be the ones to get. Because those are normal TV sizes that people <laughs> yeah. buy. <laughs> Weird. Uh, anyway, uh, seemed like uh, something worth looking into if you're TV shopping. Uh, what we got next? Who's next? Jeremy has a now? pick we mean? with no it's, it's, photos in it. It's Jer- Jeremy, you would pick something with no photos in it, wouldn't you? View full size. Well, I've, There's no picture. I've got an anti-pick. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me refresh this page. There we go. Whoa, you picked a Logitech brick. Yes. Well, it's not yet the brick, but it will be very soon. Um, okay. Um, Does it have so wireless? So if you bought a Harmony Link. <laughs> oh, actually, the, don't you have the, one of these, Alan? I don't have a link. Oh, you have the hub? Yeah. Okay. So the hub will keep going. But as of March 16th, something, uh, this brand new invention, which is called a technology certificate license, okay, will expire. <laughs> and you will no longer be able to use your Logitech Harmony Link, which didn't actually come with a contract or a monthly deal or anything like that. It's just Logitech's going to brick it on you. Oh, I bet those are terms of service you agreed to. I mean, what is, uh, well, what I'm is sure that supposed to do? I'm sure if you read deep do? enough into it. The, the, the 
Harmony Link was the product before the Harmony Hub that did the same thing. Oh. The Harmony Hub superseded it. Okay. Well, I thought the Link was focused on So it was like a, a multifunction adapting. remote, but it would link together uh, your cell phone, a bunch of your different uh, boxes. Yeah. But a little more effectively than, you know, your Radio Shack uh, old multi-remote. Sure. And so, yeah, uh, for a completely and totally made-up reason, it's just not going to work anymore. Oh, but hey, wait. Uh, which also raises the question of how exactly it is that they're going to stop it from working. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But they say, uh, so, so if you have one that's under warranty, you get a free upgrade to a hub. Yeah, for the next two or three years until they kill that one. And then if it's out of warranty, you get 35% I, off. But I imagine, like, none of these are still on warranty. Like, how long of a warranty yeah, could a they possibly have? Yeah, you would have. You would have I've had, I've had the hub for three years ago. Yeah. yeah, I've had the hub for, like, almost yeah. three years now. No, apparently there is, uh, there were a couple, you know, going, someone found them in the back of a shack somewhere <laughs> and they're selling them on yeah. discount on uh, Amazon or Newegg. So, in theory, you could still have a disc, uh, still have a warranty. Okay. It's very unlikely. And I think with this coming on, you know, maybe you might not want to pick up that hub. No, yeah. probably not. This is do, a little Do you see what Logitech and... science gets you? My experience with the <laughs> yeah. hub has been kind of spotty. Like, when it's working, it's great. Like, when once you have it set up and everything, it's great. Yeah. But they, they take too much control, like, out of your hands. Like, I had to put in a support request to get a specific button mapping added to my like quote unquote profile for the yeah. hub. It it programs itself for, it calls back to the mothership to program itself every time it reboots. Mm. Oh well there you go. So they shut down the mothership and now it yeah, just it relies it relies on Logitech. Like if Logitech service ever goes down, then the next time my power goes out, every hub on the planet That's will stupid. not work anymore. Because it's it's doesn't really like save anything. It has to get it from Logitech. Now there are other conveniences with that. Like I can pull up the Harmony app on my phone right now, not even at my house, and turn my TV off. But that doesn't mean that they have to reprogram itself every time it reboots. That's true. But it's like they made it's like they made the hub too dumb. Yeah, I, right? I, I have one as well, and, and I'm not necessarily impressed with it as a device. I, I don't mean, necessarily there, think there's anything better currently. But there, there's a chance that it might keep the settings that are in it. But you would never be able to change anything yeah. ever again, like on it. If you got a new TV or something, you're just out of luck. Like oh, without, Alan, you'd be stuck with Windows service. Media Center forever. <laughs> hey, I wish I could get that back. I'm trying. I'm trying to cut like that cord, Windows man. Media Center. I'm really trying to cut that Media Center cord. I'm still on Media Center. Yeah, we know. And cable card. God, it's like one well, of after ten that people. Yeah, I don't diagram. blame you for sticking with a cable card. Yeah, that was quite the uh, epic. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. When it works, works really well. I'm. Mm-hmm. I had to add a different service to get my guide to work now. Yeah. Huh. One day Satya Nadal is going to knock on your door and he's just going to start slapping you. Just turn it off. Man. <laughs> Stop it. We want it. We tried to I kill this for it. ten years. You I bastard. don't want it. It's the, the, thou wife says. Wife says thou shalt watch news and whatever other television. Yeah, but there are other ways to. Oh, I've got a cable box I could plug in. Or any uh, TiVo, uh, nah. yeah, over the air DVRs. Channel Master has one. Yeah, cable card. You make me sad every time I think. If you use the uh, with the tuning adapter, like the separate box that does the digital channels. Yeah, and none of the Plex stuff will work with like the Time Warner cable channels, oh, other right, than. Yeah. 
Because like, Media Center is the only thing that can decrypt cable card. Yeah. yeah. It can decrypt the HD stuff. Yeah. So I can get locals yep. with Plex, probably even mm. with the hardware I already have. An SD. But they'll only be an SD, even though there are HD equivalents yeah. that are also just local stations. But they Do you really they need your local news in HD? Well, when you have a like well, 60 inch TV, have you seen how bad eight, the SDR stuff <laughs> well, looks? <laughs> like, fair enough. That's a fair point. Use, Letterbox use the Spectrum app. Uh, okay. Then you still has... paying for cable, and paying for cable is stupid. Well, I'm just saying, right? But if if, if you still have to keep, <laughs> yeah, cable, yeah, I'm trying to make you it to the point where I'm not it, paying people. for cable. Cut, just stop watching cable. You but don't this need isn't, it. This isn't his choice. It's true. He, he's under the the, the control. Yeah, of yeah. Another force and I here. almost like the YouTube TV thing. Like mm-hmm. that almost saved me, but that doesn't have like you know a lot of the other channels she's watching on cable. Yeah. So almost there. So close. So so close. Get so, so close. far away. So close. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Well, hopefully my Harmony Hub doesn't turn into another Logitech brick anytime soon. You, you got a few years. Yeah. Uh, Josh. Me. What you got? hundred bucks off Ryzen eighteen hundred X. That's twenty percent. Pretty off. good deal. Yeah, it's nice. And Ruby for Quake Champions. Oh. Free Champions pack for Quake Champions. Whatever. Yeah, that you means. get the special Ruby one. Ooh, that's nice. Anyway, you can get a Ruby eighteen hundred X three ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine. Thank you. <laughs> so take it, yeah. yeah. If you're interested, it's in, a good uh, processor. You know, go to a CPU. That's a nice price. Pick up a motherboard for not a whole lot more. Whoa! Oh, that's the not. That's the air cooler version, apparently. Well, only the seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. Bundle with the air cooler. I see. Rule the arena. Rule it. Rule it. Moving along. Ken, what you got? Uh, Well, I came across this kind of randomly the other day, I think yesterday on Twitter, and it's a pretty cool wallet, simplistic wallet for electronics nerds like us, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially just two pieces of FR4. But then they got cute with the silk screen on the back. Well, I guess the copper layer on the back. Actually, that's very useful. Yeah. So you can tell different package sizes. So if you're an E who's sitting all day at a bench and needs to look at uh, an 0608 versus a 12. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Whatever the other, 1206, then Dude, pull out your wallet. I, I didn't even see that on the back. Yeah. And it's nice one of those slim wallets, so you can just fit a couple cards in there, maybe some cash. Uh, it also blocks RFID. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, also cool. Yeah, fourteen fifty five dollars shipping on Tindy. That's not bad and, at all. And also, <laughs> Dude, alternate that's pick. money well spent. Yeah. Yeah. If you've never been to, it's, it's Tindy, got a ruler on it that goes to five inches, which is perfect for me. Wait, that's five, <laughs> extra <semi-sorry. laughs> five centimeters, Josh. That's five Come on, centimeters. Josh, nobody's Centim- gonna buy that. Alan, don't spoil it. You've been telling him the wrenches this whole time. I know he's been going on that same thing all these years. <laughs> It's made me feel better on the inside. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And okay. If you've never been to this website, Tindy, uh, just go to the homepage. It's a bunch of small run stuff that makers put on there. 
So just just browse it for a little bit. There's all just sorts of little random crap that people make as a hobby, and they'll they'll do a run of and and post on there. That's a pretty cool. Watch, yeah. It's like the USB well, cable check. Hilarious about it was funds from the sale of this project will go towards a complex soldering to- tutorial board to be announced soon. Oh, like, so they're taking the profits of this to build a new project, and that's kind of cool. What is that's what neat. is? That's the beauty of hobby. What is this thing? I want to show me the picture. Work. Uh, well, because you've got to hack into it. Because it's <laughs> the super conference badge. <laughs> is it, look at that. Is that oh, a yeah, screen? Oh, yeah, goes friggin' all out on yeah. their badges. Is that a screen oh, on I the mean, badge? You were in the security profession at some point. Like, do you not under- know the inside baseball of conference badges oh i know and, and i know i've seen like defcon badges but those yeah. were just like a pcb oh they've gotten cool. they've gotten advanced anyway. holy crap and they're like open source designs for you to base your badge off of so you can have a starting point if you're doing a smaller conference that's pretty cool yeah usb cable checker yeah just just all sorts of cool that's also pretty crap. cool just got an led for each wire <laughs> how simple is that yeah Man, right? You can you can you can spend a lot of a lot of money on this website. Yeah, yeah. You probably should <laughs> never never told me about this website. <laughs> I need you to spend the money. So, I, so, so can is this like a Kickstarter or are these no, products no. that are in hand? They're just no. that. Like, so when you order it, you're definitely going to yeah. Get it. They're just I making. Mean, the, I, I will like. say it might take a week for the guy to put it together, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not like a pre-order system at all. Cool. I mean, that's that's. That's cool stuff. Yeah, there's just there's there's a lot of crap on there. All right, sweet. All right, uh, pcpro.com slash podcast. And uh, you know, next week uh, is the boss gonna be back next week. I guess. I hope. I don't we know. never know. Maybe. Then the week after that is Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yep. 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 Can I just go hibernate for the winter. Sure. And then uh, after that, I can't yell at people for playing Christmas music. Yeah. Uh, that's true. <laughs> my my neighbor Impressive. already has his Christmas decorations in full force. Yeah, but you're technically allowed to yell at them right now. I'm not going to yell at my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> we do live in Kentucky. We do. This he guy does. in the chant just <laughs> basically <laughs> chanting over Point. the air HD. <laughs> and yes, that is my plan. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, I'm uh, Alan Malventano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> and I'm disgusted. Believe me. <laughs> good, good, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Josh may not be here next week. <laughs>